In November 2015, I found myself on the first summit of African activists. During these two days, I heard unlikely things. That is, in my reality, it was just impossible. How can a person of less than 30 years old dare to say negative things about their president? That means that it doesn't only exist in films, not only in newspapers. There are people here who do that. People from Congo, people from Nigeria. So it was possible. And the night of the last day, I think it was the 28th of November, 2015, when I went home, I thought it's just not possible that I'm sat here doing nothing. And the only thing that came to mind is, I have to write. I have to write about it. I have to create a blog. Her blog was called Elle Citoyenne and soon became a participatory media fed by around 30 contributors in Africa. Anne-Marie Buffoon, the blog's founder, a young Cameroonian settled in Senegal since 2013, is not a journalist and she insists on this last point. She sees herself as a committed citizen who uses writing and now a podcast to share her thoughts about humans and the world that surrounds them. My name is Camille Diao and I am a journalist. For the past few months, I got to talk with reporters, podcasters, news anchors, bloggers and other actors of the media industry around the world. I listened to them at length. They told me about their backgrounds, their inspirations, their battles. I asked them a lot of questions. And one thing leading to another, between these men and women from all over the world, I started to see the connections, shared beliefs, ideas, courage, passion. I spoke to 10 different people. They come from Cameroon, from Benin, Egypt and Lebanon, amongst other places. In this podcast series, I want you to hear their voices. You're listening to Correspondance, the podcast of the newsmakers. Episode 5, Anne-Marie Befoun. Well, over the past few days, we've been monitoring social media. And in Correspondance, the podcast of the newsmakers. Anne-Marie Befoun grew up in Cameroon in the 1990s. She was a French speaker in a country where 20% of the population speaks English. And as you're about to hear in Anne-Marie's story, French and English-speaking Cameroonians are worlds apart. Since the country's independence in 1960, the two English-speaking Western regions have been underrepresented and marginalized in national politics. A historic tension which has been culminating since 2017 in an ongoing separatist conflict. A few years earlier, Anne-Marie Befoun had left Cameroon for Senegal. 
she was living in the car when she started her blog, Elle Citoyenne. When I listened to Anne-Marie, I couldn't help thinking about Ife Melu, the main character in Americana, the bestseller by famous Nigerian author Chimamanda and Gozi Adichie. Both of them have a sharp intelligence, good observation skills as well as ideas that they share on their blogs, writing anonymously and arousing a lot of curiosity from the readers. But let's start with the beginning, when and where Anne-Marie Befoun's story began. I would say that I had a very normal childhood. I grew up in the town of Douala, in an average-sized family. I remember we were very afraid of men in uniforms, basically anyone who was a policeman or from the military. When I crossed them on my path, I made sure not to be on the same pavement as them. And I realized my trauma when I was in Berlin. We were on the pavement and we wanted to cross the road, so we had to wait for the red light to cross. And in front of us, there was a policeman. And I said to myself, if he's standing over there waiting, it means that maybe he's waiting for me to arrest me. That's how we thought when we're from Cameroon and when we see a policeman. In reality, the policemen in Berlin just wanted to cross the road too. There is no logic in it, but that's how we live. We live with this psychosis and we take it wherever we go. In Cameroon, politics is actually considered taboo. I've only known one president. Paul Beer came to power in 1982, I think. For us children, the young people, political life had no interest because it was static. We weren't even aware we could have another president. C'est un score sans appel et sans surprise non plus. Avec 71,28%, le président sortant Paul Biya se lance dans son septième mandat présidentiel à 85 ans. The political context was virtually non-existent until 2006, I think, when we had the hunger riots. Au Cameroun, les émeutes de la faim paralysent le pouvoir qui appelle l'armée au secours. Une quarantaine de morts, bilan officiel. Et le... Comment je vais dire ça? And the response of public authorities was very violent. They were shooting at people. They confined us to our homes. Parents said to us, don't go out, don't get involved in it. In the end, however, it was for the common good. But we were in an atmosphere where we had to protect our own. That is, the politician, the public authority, is evil. So I can only protect my children and ask them not to be interested in all this. We have been formatted so that we never question anything. That is, you can question, but be in your room, in your head. It wasn't a discussion that we could have openly. I had an education which was generally Catholic. I went to Catholic schools. I didn't experience any special things during my childhood or my adolescence. 
But the most important fact was that I wrote a lot. For as long as I can remember, I wrote. I always wrote to express my emotions, to pass on a message. I had an elocution problem. I have a stutter, and when I was a child, it was very, very pronounced. So the slightest emotion made me lose my words. So I wrote. I remember when I was five or six years old, I created a magazine called Info Parade. So I took sheets that I folded in two to make a sort of newspaper. Then I wrote the facts of the neighborhood. This neighbor did this, this neighbor did that, and this is the latest news in the neighborhood. And at school, I wrote more poems, but not for me. It was more for my classmates, so they could declare their feelings to their lovers. It was my specialty. And at university, I naturally turned towards books. Because not only did I write a lot, but I read excessively. It was an obsession. I went to university in the zone that we call Anglophone of the country, in the town of Boya. And I would say that this was the most outstanding experience of my life in Cameroon, because I discovered the sorrows of a large part of the population in the country. The Anglophone university which I attended was very politicized because they wanted to get out of their community of what they called neo-colonialism. What struck me the most in university was realizing that I was a francophone. I wasn't really aware that I belonged to this community. And when we arrived to university, I was made to understand that because Anglophones were taking revenge on us. I really didn't understand and I wondered if they weren't overdoing it a little bit anyway. But I must confess that I only realized the merits of their claims through two English-speaking friends. We had discussions sometimes about literature. And these discussions allowed us to tell the story from the Anglophone side. And we realized that the story that we taught at school had nothing to do with what they were telling us. In reality, this story was unknown. When I finished university, I got a master's in translation. So I went to Senegal, where I began to work as a translator. I worked freelance. I worked for some ONGs and big organizations, particularly Handicap International, the World Bank, this type of organization. And I was translating reports for them. And when you translate reports, you read reports. 
By example, For example, the situation of disabled people, hunger, the importance of subsidized school canteens in poor villages, things that, honestly, I didn't know about. As I said, I lived in an average-sized family, I always went to good schools, so I wasn't really aware of poverty and its effects. And it's with this work that I started to get it, as I translated these reports. I translated these reports for two years, from 2013 to 2015. And as I said to myself that I wasn't on the right side, because I said, in reality, I'm only repeating to people what they already know, but in a different language. What would happen if I had the possibility to say these things to people, like me, who had no conscience of their existence? J'ai pensé à retourner à l'école. I thought about returning to school, but I couldn't find a master's that would offer me exactly what I wanted. That is, to be a central point of information for the average citizen. And one day, I was in a conference where I had to do simultaneous translation, and my sister sent me an internship offer for a new citizen and participative think tank. So, I applied for this internship, and it was very good training for me. Honestly, when I went there, I didn't even know what the purpose of a Member of Parliament was. I didn't know what a National Assembly was for. I just knew that there was a President and Ministers. I didn't know anything at all, and I learned everything there. The first task we had was to create content for the website. The director wanted some sort of cards which would summarize the constitutions of the African countries covered by the think tank. So, the first wake-up call was the reading of the constitutions of the countries. It was also necessary to cover the situation of women in the field of economy and land ownership. Honestly, it was difficult. It was difficult to realize the extent of my ignorance. So during these two years, I had the time to understand why African citizens are not necessarily at the level where they should be. In November 2015, I found myself on the first summit of African activists. During these two days, I heard unlikely things. That is, in my reality, it was just impossible. How can a person of less than 30 years old dare to say negative things about their president? That means that it doesn't only exist in films, not only in newspapers. There are people here who do that. People from Congo, people from Nigeria. So it was possible. And the night of the last day, I think it was the 28th of November, 2015, when I went home, I thought it's just not possible that I'm sat here doing nothing. What is preventing me from provoking a reflection around these questions? And the only thing that came to mind is, I have to write. I have to write about it. During the summit, there were bloggers who were telling their story and their actions through their blog. I said, here's what I have to do. I have to create a blog.
Je ne savais pas du tout comment ça fonctionnait. No Google. We I looked on Google, WordPress, create a blog, etc. I created the same night, El Citoyenne. And then, two weeks after, I bought the domain name and the site became elcitoyenne.com. I chose the name She Citizen because it was a bit of a break between her, who was not at all informed, and her, who became aware of her position as a citizen and her duties as a citizen. A lot of people thought that She Citizen was a feminist platform because of the she, but it had absolutely nothing to do with that. It was just me who realized that I had a position as a citizen and that I had to do something useful with it. I think that my major asset is the fact that I know how to write. Writing allows me to structure my thoughts on certain subjects. So, when I created the blog, it was much more about documenting everything I was discovering, and I realized that this interested people. My first real post on She Citizen was a quote from Thomas Sankara. It was in 2015, and I had just discovered it. I knew the name, but not the actions of the person. He was a celebrity. His face was on T-shirts, you know. It was a little like Che. We didn't really know who he was, but it was cool to have him on a T-shirt. And there, I discovered his work. I discovered his thought above all. Discovered his dream, as much for his country as for other African countries. And I was fascinated by the character. I don't have the exact words, but it went something like, he who does not rise up can only blame himself when he reaps the results of his inaction. Qui n'est pas capable d'assumer sa révolte ne mérite pas que l'on s'apitoie sur son sort. Cet esclave répondra seul de son malheur s'il se fait des illusions sur la condescendance suspecte d'un maître qui prétend l'affranchir. Seule la lutte libère. L'avantage whether it was about education, social or political facts, I was talking about absolutely everything, but related to the condition of the citizen. The commitment was great, and what interested me was to be able to nourish debates, to feed minds, to nourish reflections, to give a platform to debates on issues that were forbidden to us. The platform started to have a buzz around it very rapidly, really very rapidly. And what touched me the most is that a lot of Cameroon people asked to publish on the site. That is, they wanted to share their ideas on how to resolve problems that we were facing in our country. And I thought, that means that in the end, I still managed to interest people who've been trained not to think about politics or society or anything else in the citizen question, to the point where they too wanted to participate in collective reflection. I think that this has been the greatest achievement so far.
J'ai cessé d'écrire sur le blog en 2018. Je trouvais mon travail J'avais parfois l'impression C'est-à-dire que je n'ai pas fait le travail I didn't do the educational work which had to be done at the outset so that the platform would really be understood by as many people as possible. She, citizen, has become elitist. It only spoke to people who could understand, who had had access to a thorough education. Was I useful to the people below? No, and that bothered me a lot. I didn't want to be there only for the elite. Then, in 2018, I decided to put She Citizen to bed. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I knew that I wasn't going to stop sharing my reflections. I wanted to focus on people who don't have the opportunity to understand a certain type of debate because they don't think critically enough. Already I was coming out of a burnout because it was not easy to manage She Citizen. I had to resign to look after the platform and it was a lot, a lot of work. I said to myself that I must not repeat the same thing with digressions. So I'm going to create this blog. I'm going to do no communication around it. The idea is not to impose on people what I offer, but to let them come to the platform if it speaks to them. So I created digressions, where I continued my reflection about humans, about their condition, whether it was family, social, professional, and in promoting lectures that could provoke an inquiry that could improve the conditions for everyone. The creation of the podcast, The Chatter of Sea, was fundamentally selfish. Because I had elocution problems, I stuttered, and I spoke very fast sometimes, so it was difficult to hear me. So I said to myself, what happens if I go out of my comfort zone, and that I share my point of view, but not in writing, rather orally? That's how I created it. And I realized that I didn't necessarily want to approach the same themes in the same way, Sure, it is still the reflection surrounding humans, but it's another universe. And I had the possibility to express myself and say not-so-nice things. I could say things that hurt. It's to get people to understand that life isn't always rosy and that you have to go through uncomfortable moments to reach the levels we want to reach. So listening to the podcast is an uncomfortable experience because I say things that aren't so nice. But it's an uncomfortable moment for me too, because speaking is not my strong point. Bonjour à tous, on enregistre l'épisode 11 du podcast. Aujourd'hui, on parlera essentiellement des sisterships. Autre ça, on parlera également des late bloomers. On parlera de discipline et motivation. On parlera des boundaries, qui sont les lignes qu'on se crée pour qu'on puisse préserver notre santé mentale et notre être. Je parlerai également des excuses, ce qui sont les excuses qu'on se crée pour ne pas atteindre ou avoir des résultats optimaux. Et enfin, je parlerai de Be the Toxic One. Mais avant de commencer, on va parler un petit peu de médias. 
sur le on the podcast like on the blog i approach questions that are often considered taboo for example do our parents deserve to be respected should we reproduce the education that we had onto our children should children be beaten What I do generally is I share my personal experience around which I ask questions. And these are questions which provoke a lot of people to share because they recognize themselves in what I talk about. So that allows me to reach my objective. The objective that I had with She Citizen, community thinking. That's why I say often that there is no difference between digressions and She Citizen in terms of their ultimate objectives. Digressions participates in personal change, which leads to social change. The goal is to allow people to be in control. And I think that if we are in control of one's life, of one's decisions for oneself, we are more open to decide for the community. We are more open to political debate. We have more possibilities and facilities to propose actions for the other, as much for oneself as for the other. The contents of digressions and of the podcast, it's not necessarily African content, but I try to make sure that Africans know that I am talking to them. For example, on the blog, there are no pictures of people other than black people. It's because I have consumed a lot of American content, white, black, without distinction. And this brought me a lot of things, except that I realized that the people around me had the impression that this content was not made for them. So, in a certain way, I had to think of ways to integrate them, that is, how to make them understand at the outset that it is to them who I speak. If I speak of education and of elevation on reflection about oneself and of others, about community, we would never dare present that as a subject that could speak to us too. And that's one of my objectives. And I think that so far I have reached that objective because when I have direct interactions with the audience, black people, Africans who live in the West, in Africa, who live just about everywhere. I cannot get rid of my love for the governance, the management of political affairs. I cannot get rid of that. So, with digressions, I can still pass on my message in a subtler way, and I see the results with my very own eyes. The biggest thing that I have in store for 2021 is my reading list. Honestly, there are so many things I don't know, so many things I want to know and share. I know I will want to share them once I know them. So honestly, I don't have any grand plans. My objective stays the same. It's to deepen and further my knowledge, to then allow people to deepen and further theirs. 
shy translator turned into a blogger, podcaster, activist. First, Anne-Marie Beffoun went through an awakening, then she gave free rein to her curiosity, and now she wants to share what she's learned with those who read and listen to her. One more contribution to the patchwork of gazes and understandings and make up the diverse information a healthy society needs. Again, Anne-Marie Beffoun is not a journalist, she is a citizen creating content that is both intimate and very political. Correspondance is a podcast series brought to you by CFI, the French Media Development Agency. In the next episode, Shaima Adel, a female war correspondent from Egypt who started on the field when she was barely legal. See you then. <laughs>